Support for WPR comes from Rutabaga Paddle Sports, offering kayaks and canoes to experience the natural beauty of Wisconsin water. With test paddling every day at 2620 Rimrock Road in Madison. RutabagaShop.com. A flute in the woods was Longfellow's phrase, and it takes me back to simpler days. Yes, one of my all-time favorite summer sounds is the whippoorwill when night comes around. This is Spectrum West. I'm Al Ross, flowing into your day with news, views, and personalities engaged in the abundant arts, culture, and humanities of western Wisconsin. This week, Pablo Centers, Season 5, and what a first four seasons it's been. A chat with director Jason John Anderson. Eau Claire native Sam Robertson is providing a look at the Old Testament of the King James Bible through a book of original art, and it's unlike any other interpretation. We'll talk about it and tell you where to sample it. The Hunchback of Notre Dame challenges human nature and leaves audiences thinking. Wayne Merrick is here with a look at the Eau Claire Children's Theater production. And here's the essence of our first conversation. When you hear the Banbury Art Crawl is coming up next weekend, your initial reaction might be, wow, it's been pretty warm for February. Uh, But actually, it really is June. You see, the February edition was postponed, and rather than miss it altogether, they're holding a special summer crawl. The popular showcase, sale and social, has been a staple for over a decade. I had a visit in the studio from two Banbury residents, artist Mindy Huntress and Olivia Buxton. She's a real estate professional. We're going to say that you are well-versed in the art of real estate. How did you get involved in all this? You, you know, typically wouldn't think real estate artists or whatever you want to call us <laughs> when you think art crawl, but I work for Rental Resources of Eau Claire, rentals, property management, and real estate, and we actually work out of Banbury Place in Building 13, a rental company amongst a whole bunch of artists and dancers <laughs> and musicians. It's wonderful. We've been around the block a few times with art crawl. We have, I believe, almost every year hosted an artist, um, so we will be hosting two in our studio as well. This past year, we started helping planning with everything and being involved. And it was really interesting because typically you just show up to Art Crawl, but, you know, getting to be in the process to pick the artists and kind of maybe give that non-artist brain um, (laughs) a voice in the group. We had a lot of fun. In our suite, one of our artists, Art by Ariel, she typically does live paintings. She does acrylic paintings. Yeah, I like to just wander the building myself sometimes and see what art is going on, mm-hmm. see who's playing music. The artists are pretty easy to get along with. Do you find yourself doodling more yeah, often? Now yeah, I doodle, and I definitely <laughs> always doodle at our art crawl meetings. Okay. <laughs> you yeah. kind of have to, I feel like. Let's switch over to Mindy on my right. Interesting last name, Huntress. I had to make a note that it sounds like a character in The Hunger Games. She's a huntress. You sure do, as I told you before we heated up the mics here, have a, a fun website. The animation is is really worth the trip. Let's get to know you better. You became an artist at an early age, and it seems kind of out of necessity. Oh, well, I'm able to use imagination and just kind of get away from reality and create these safe places in my mind. When I share it with other people, I often get people laughing and smiling and yeah. just feeling good and 
That's what it's about, creating good feelings. When did you discover that art was or could be your best friend? Uh, when I was very young. Yeah. I used to color in my little sketchbooks when I was little and then uh, grew up and went to college. was doing industrial design and I took a few painting classes. Just thought, this is what I want to do with my life. Yeah. Other things just don't seem as happy. There's a lot of us out there who will tell you doing that is kind of brave. I'm going to do this for a vocation. You, you really know. have to believe in yourself, and you have to have supportive fans that are willing to buy the art. Somewhat of a business plan to yeah. do festivals and things to make it through. It's a big leap. Olivia, you've been around some crawls before, and uh, Mindy, you have the luxury of completely fresh eyes. What does a typical planning meeting feel like? What kinds of things do you talk about? We're all pretty laid-back group. We do go over some logistical things and all the boring stuff, but we're really kind of an open forum of bouncing ideas off of each other, I would say, getting feedback with the group. About an hour or two every other week, and it's just constant uh -huh. brainstorming and bouncing ideas back and forth. And we're all pretty new, so it's mm -hmm. a lot of learning. Read notes of what other people did, and uh -huh. we really want it to be as wonderful and rich of quality as the years past. In the studio with Olivia Buxton and Mindy Huntress. Our topic is the Banbury Art Crawl. It's the 12th annual uh, Horse of a Different Color this year. Is it Redu, as in French? Yes, yes, that's exactly it. Okay, cool. It's Friday, June 10th from 4 to 9 and Saturday, June 11th from 9 to 4. Mm -hmm. Most of the photos that one sees on the Crawl's website uh, show people wearing winter coats. Yes. And uh, it was canceled from February. You have included words like warm weather, fresh air, art, demonstrations, and food. So let's expound on those. We all know we can't control the weather. Got to be better than February. Mm -hmm. The fresh air, that's kind of a given. So let's expound on the art, the demonstrations, and the food. Since this is different, it's a summer version. Is it going to be summer from now on, or is this just a one-time thing? We're going to be going back to Art Crawls in February. We're going to see how it goes. We're planning to be back February of 2023. Okay. But, you know, with that warm weather and open air, we can now use, like, our parking lot and have all our doors and windows open. So yeah. it kind of just be a nice, fresher atmosphere. We're now going to have food truck artists and vendors outside so even before you come in the building you'll be driving by you'll see stuff going on dancers dancing outside oh, things cool. like that yeah so which we definitely couldn't have before in february you could do that in february if people <laughs> we could just... we didn't have any interest for anyone who wanted to stand in our parking lot <laughs> but now we do now, yeah. i've seen people dance in the winter time yeah it's yes. a way of getting warm actually if you know any dancers for february you can send them our way okay yeah. good. there's got to be winter dancers yeah. around somewhere the demonstrations, let's ask this, is it going to be up to each individual location as to whether they're going to demonstrate or not? It will be up to each individual location. Mm -hmm. uh, there's going to be dancing outside in the parking lot the whole day, lots of demonstrations out there. You're basically prepared to answer a lot of questions, I'll bet. Yes. You're having an artist or two at your yes. location. So what do you do during an art crawl being in real estate and rentals? Are you an ambassador or what do you do? I am actually hoping to be a little bit more of an ambassador, but when we do get people into our studio, if they ask us what we're about, uh, we'll be prepared for that. But otherwise, um, I really, like I said, I really like hanging out with the artist in our suite. She'll be painting, and it's amazing to watch her craft um, and just see the progress 
it's a sight to behold. Uh-huh. We meet in Mindy's art studio for yeah. our committees, and I'm always looking at the little paintings, uh-huh. and I think it really gets everyone's creative juices flowing, just being surrounded by that. I'm kind of excited to see your art studio, Mindy. Artists usually have pretty unique decor. All we have to do is take a look at your work and say to ourselves, that must be an interesting place, is it? It is. I built a little gallery area. I have lots of mood lighting Mm -hmm. and made it really special. Cool. I'll be happy to have you there. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. (laughs) So how many people are we talking about participating, artists, in the art crawl? We have over 40 vendors that will be visiting. As far as our residents, we don't have a final count with that quite yet. No, that's right. But a building full. (laughs) And they're all hosting artists as Mm -hmm. well, so Mm. there'll be lots of artists on hand. A building full or buildings full? Building 13 and building 10. You are going to utilize both? Yes. As you have in the past. Now, your website has both an artist sign-up and a volunteer sign-up window on it. Is it too late for either of those? We are looking for vendors, and then volunteers, they'll be needed for passing out maps and flyers, helping guests find stairs, elevators, and restrooms, and helping with suites and vendors that need a break. Sure. They'll also be delivering water and snacks and other tasks, so if you're interested in volunteering, visit our website, banburyartcrawl.com, and we'd be happy to have some more help. I also see that uh, on the website there's an email sign-up, and that's actually a good idea because then you will get notices about the kind of details we're trying to get out on shows like this, yeah? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be working on this a little bit more to get regular newsletters out, mm-hmm. markets quarterly. There'll be more news to come with that. As Mindy said, the website is Banbury Art Crawl. That's B-A-N-B-U-R-Y, artcrawl.com. Email is banburyartcrawl at Gmail. Dot com. Well, for theatrical performances, we say break a leg. I don't know what to say. Uh, good luck <laughs> to it. <laughs> and and enjoy the summer experience. We like February, I guess, but this is going to be much more fun walking from mm-hmm. our car. And thanks for being with us, Olivia. Thanks. Thank you. And Mindy, appreciate it. Thank you. Our guests are available via their websites, Mindy Huntress, H-U-N-T-R-E-S-S dot com and rentalresources.net. Coming up on Spectrum West, Pablo Season 5, Everything You Need to Know, for now. The Old Testament, illustrated, and next, a meaningful musical. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being in our audience for another edition of Spectrum West. The busy Eau Claire Children's Theater lives up to its reputation this summer. Up next, it's their rendition of the musical version of The Hunchback of Notre Dame, a musical with a large cast and a message. We'll hear a little bit of music from that production a bit later. Right now, founder, executive director, and production director Wayne Merrick is our guest. He came by recently for a chat. Let's talk about black box theaters, because Jamf is that. Uh, they turn out to be both fun and challenging at the same time. Is that a fair assessment? A black box theater gives you some more options, some more flexibility. The Jamf Theater, for example, can be set up in, in the round, in the thrust, more proscenium style. 
So we were there for Cabaret a couple months ago, and that one was presented uh, thrust with audience on three sides. Hunchback will be presented more proscenium style, audience on one side. Is it your space to do as you will, or are you given directions when you get uh, the rights to do a play that this is the best way to do it? Oh, that was our choice to uh, put that particular production in that space. We're able to use the mezzanine, like balcony level. Um, That's where the cathedral choir will be on either side of the audience. I've heard orchestras Um, going up there, too. I've seen an orchestra up there. So that gives us some flexibility with staging. The show could have been presented in the RCU theater, for example, in a a traditional proscenium theater. Could have been in Champ in a different configuration, maybe Thruster in the round, but that was a choice that we made. The Hunchback of, well, you'd have to say Notre Notre Dame. Dame, Yes. Yes. (laughs) My French is a little bit rusty. The central theme is, as it reads, what makes a monster and what makes a man? I made a note that it might be more difficult to differentiate nowadays between the two, but maybe we'll get back to normal again someday. Here's a thing that I also read about that I found interesting. The play leaves audiences thoughtful and that there are lessons in it. And and so I thought, you know, I'm going to ask Wayne if when he works with actors, when there is a message or a moral, do you talk about it? And is it vital for it to sink in to actually play a part in an authentic way? This show in particular, the cast is, is adults, okay, uh, yeah. a few high school students, but adults. And we have had conversation about the theme because it definitely colors the presentation, Mm. puts a little more meaning behind some songs, brings some of the lyrics more to life. And so when you talk about that that opening question of what makes a monster and what makes a man, it starts the show and it comes back at the end as an epilogue. It sets it up as as something to be thinking about throughout the show. And at the end, did you get that answer yet? And if you didn't, Ah. you're probably going to leave thinking about that. It is a strong theme throughout People being judged on their appearances. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you've got you know a character like Quasimodo who is judged solely on his physical appearance. A high-ranking member of the church judged based on those appearances and what that might mean. And you come to find appearances can be deceiving. You know, everybody does it. Everybody makes you know judgments from yes, what they see based on the outside without knowing the full story, what's inside. And you come to find out that maybe. Some of the things that people were judged on were not accurate. Uh So really, truly, what does, you know, is it the inside or the outside? And when you compare some of the characters, you know, who was really the monster? Sure. Yeah, (laughs) interesting. And who was really judged for one? And there's just some some really great themes in the show. Being a better person, um, good things are not always rewarded. But that doesn't mean you should stop trying to yeah. be a, a kinder, better person. There's just some really great themes. And the the crew that has watched the show, because we have the staff and crew come watch a, a rehearsal as a crew view, was very moved by the, by the rehearsal because of those themes. Oh. It was a great rehearsal, if I can say that. But the music is awesome. It's a really powerful piece. But it does leave you thinking more Good. so than other shows. Like, as it should. Good for that. We're enjoying a studio visit with Wayne Merrick, founder and director of the Eau Claire Children's Theater. The Hunchback of Notre Dame is playing June 9th through 12th, Jamf Theater, Pablo Center. They're celebrating soon-to-be 34 years of service to the community. This is a relatively new musical, isn't it? Being relatively new, there may not be any classic recognizable song. What it's got going for it is 
the novel's been around, of course, yeah, forever. Sure. But the the Disney animated feature was popular when it was released, 96, I guess. The animated feature, while well done and popular at the time or whatever, um, deviates quite a bit from the novel. So if that's your only familiarity with the story, uh. because you saw the Disney cartoon, the stage version is much more true to the novel. And okay. so when it's advertised, it's not even Disney's The Hunchback of Notre Dame. It's The Hunchback of Notre Dame based on the Victor Hugo novel with music from the Disney animated feature. And that distinction, I think, should be really clear to people. This isn't the Disney version with happy gargoyles and happy ending. You know, the mm. ending was changed in the animated feature. It does not match the book. Um there are characters that were changed. Quasimodo was kind of friendly, happy, oh, and okay. th- there were a number of significant changes from the novel for the Disney cartoon. Not saying that's good or bad. So what the stage version has, when you asked about familiarity of music, it has music from that animated feature. People probably are familiar with. And yet I'm guessing, though, from the discussion we've already had, this particular production, your production, is not necessarily for young people. No. And somebody had just emailed, would my my six and nine-year-old enjoy this? Mm. And the answer would be, well, might know some of the songs, but, you know, it's a full musical, so that's a long time sure. for a child to sit. Plus, you know, it would have a, a PG rating and just maybe not be of much interest. I would encourage them to come <laughs> to see The Little Mermaid later this summer. Yes. But yes. this is definitely more of a, a teen adult okay. audience Good, uh, just because of the subject matter. You've done a lot of musicals over the years. How does this shape up as far as ease or difficulty of production? It's a, about a 60-person cast, so oh, oh, it's you know, on the larger side of, of cast. And I would say, I, I think the cast would agree, the difficulty of the music uh, ranks mm. right up there with some of the hardest shows we've done. There's a cathedral choir along mm-hmm. with the, the rest of the ensemble and cast. So there's a lot of Latin that they had to learn. And the music is, it, it is not easy. No. Um, but it's probably some of the, the, of the most beautiful music in a stage version that we've done. There are definitely songs, God Help the Outcasts is one of the standalone songs that many people have probably heard. Um, so there's some beautiful choral music. Um, and hopefully in that setting with the, the choir up in the balcony and the cast on the stage floor, that sound will really uh, envelop the audience cool. yeah. um, and create that kind of cathedral experience. Yeah. You brought up the Little Mermaid, so let's <laughs> let's look down the road a bit. I noted on your website you have summer classes. We uh, do. It appears as if one can still register for July, August. Right. Yep. Okay. The June classes are pretty much closed and or full. Uh, but we can still take you for July and August. Okay. There's, I don't know, almost 30-some classes over the course of the summer, acting, music, dance, performance uh-huh. classes, so ages 3 to 18, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so lots lots of opportunities for classes. Good. You have some auditions coming next week, uh, right. the aforementioned Little Mermaid <laughs> and the Music Man. And the Music Man, right. So, you know, we don't want to be bored. So just <laughs> as Hunchback is wrapping up, we have auditions for two other shows. So, you know, Disney's The Little Mermaid is probably the antithesis <laughs> to The Hunchback. Oh, there you go. You know, that one's for all ages. Bring your kids, bring the family. You, if you saw that cartoon as well <laughs> as Hunchback. You're having you a know, little bit of a pool party too, aren't you? Yeah, we're having <laughs> Ariel's underwater dance party. There you, you go. You can come and bring the kids and hang out with Sebastian and Ariel and 
uh, do some singing and dancing. And That's kind of a prelude party to up. the performance? Yep, outreach promotional okay. uh, activity. Meet the characters, have some fun before that. So Wonderful. auditions for that show. And then we are back to the fairgrounds in Triple Falls for the Music Man in concert. Oh, wow. uh, so this will be the third summer we've done a show on the Line and Kugel stage oh, at neat. the fairgrounds. Concert version meaning full show with less dialogue. So minimal dialogue, minimal staging, some dances, fully costumed orchestra right on stage, a few set pieces. That's so, a big musical. Yeah, but basically yeah. The, the full show with less dialogue. Uh-huh. So, And it won't be long, and we'll be hearing hi-ho, hi-ho. <laughs> it's yeah, off to right. work we go. Yeah, yep. We've got... Uh, Three shows this summer that are part of our summer classes, so classes that end in a performance. We've got Snow White and the Seven Dwarves in June, Law and Order, Fairy Tale Unit, dun dun, uh, <laughs> in July, and then Disney's The Lion King Jr. in August. Performances that are the end of a summer class. I needed to ask, which of the dwarfs <laughs> do you relate with? Oh, <laughs> I was going to say Sneezy because it's springtime. Yeah, but right. I, yeah. I don't know. I'm way too tall to be a dwarf, so that's I never, true. But never have been able to play a dwarf on stage. You couldn't possibly be sleepy. <laughs> You're too busy that's for right. that. So it's Doc, grumpy, happy, dopey, bashful, sleepy, and sneezy. In that's case right. you guys need to be reminded <laughs> of who they are. So tickets for all this stuff and all the information is on your website, of course. Right. And you can get tickets at pablocenter.org too. Right, yeah? Pablo Center. You'd go there for the shows at the Pablo Center. So yes. Hunchback, Little Mermaid. Anything at the Pablo Center, go right to their website, take care of it there. Everything else that's either at the Oxford or like Music Man uh, would be through our website at ecct.org. Mm-hmm. You've always been busy, but it's good to see you back at being very busy. Right. We've we've made it through the last couple seasons, yeah. uh, and the last couple summers have looked different because of capacity restrictions with audiences, maybe a less robust summer class schedule, yeah. uh, keeping the classes smaller, that kind of thing. Good. And it seems like this summer people are back to full summer classes, ready to do shows, um, you know, looking to be in shows. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that bodes well for the future. Yes, I think it will. Thanks for coming in. Of course. And here's a taste of the musical side of the Hunchback of Notre Dame. See how it's cruel. See how it's wicked. See how I sheltered you from having to go through this. How could you do this to me? Forgive, Master, won't ever leave again. Now, boy, you see you don't belong with normal men. You are happy when you're in your sanctuary. Sanctuary. Back to your sanctuary. Never to come out Again. Take the boy inside. So the poor hunchback retreated back in through the doors of Notre Dame. And there followed the gypsy girl who'd never been through the doors of Notre Dame. And she stopped and beheld all the beauty, like a beggar receiving it all. And each window and pillar and arch seemed to fill her with love. 
The music is quite stunning, as Wayne pointed out. This is Spectrum West. I'm Al Ross. Thanks for joining us here on WPR. Let's move on. Sam Robertson is an Eau Claire guy now living in Minneapolis. That happens fairly often when someone feels like spreading their wings. He's an artist, customary fare on this program. But Sam Robertson had a vision a few years ago. He decided to illustrate the Bible's Old Testament. Paint scenes to aid the process of reading and understanding this ancient volume, except these over 250 paintings probably aren't what you'd expect, and he might not have predicted seven years of work. Well, now seeing is believing, and you'll have to do that on your own, but we can introduce him through a conversation, which I enjoyed with him earlier this week. So this project... Seven years, man. I mean, the universe was created in seven days. Right. Is there anything else like this? I mean, is there legitimate art done? Not that yours isn't legitimate. For, for either version of the Bible, old or new? Um, yeah, I mean, people have done similar things, like just the book of Genesis. Other people have done it. But nothing, nothing like this that I can tell. This is kind of unique, even though it's been painted or interpreted visually so many times before, mm-hmm. especially in the old days. Yeah. You probably notice from some of my questions that I'm not very uh, attuned to the Bible. I was raised as a good little Catholic kid. Catholics, the Bible is kind of just there. Yep. It's decorative. I went to Catholic school until sixth grade. I don't remember very much from it at all. I'm not a religious person right now either. Seven years, if you do the math, is about 2,555 days, and you have 257 paintings. That's roughly one every 10 days. Is that kind of how you did it? That's crazy to think about. Yeah, well, I took one year off, so there was actually six years of painting. Ah. But in those other years, yeah, sometimes it would flow faster, and sometimes there would be like life events and things that would keep me from going. So it wasn't like wasn't steady, I should say. Just something I kept coming back to. So you took a year off. That kind of morphs into a curiosity that, uh, you know, during those seven years or now six, I, I was very, very curious as to how often you became frustrated and said, what What am I doing here? And how many times did you almost quit? And be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I ever actually almost quit. During the last like 30 paintings or something like that. Mm-hmm. I kind of was like, should I still be doing this? It seems like there's maybe more important things to do or something. <laughs> um, yeah. But then that was like kind of brief. And I feel like it was broken up into so many segments and like books of the Bible and like I had shows throughout it and mm-hmm. little things just kind of kept me going. Initially, I thought it was going to be a one year project and then it just kept going, wow, just wow. kept going. Knowing what I know about religion and uh, the the varying degrees of fervor out there, I'm going to surmise that some are going to find your interpretations blasphemous, simply because some folks don't believe religion should be tampered with. Have you uh, run into any of that yet? Uh, a, f- a few times. Mostly it might just mean that I don't talk or show this to enough of a variety of people yet, because I'm kind of wondering if down the pipeline there'll be more resistance to it. Mm. But so far, people have been pretty open to it and either indifferent or really into it or somewhere between. But there hasn't been too many people who have, to my face, said that they think that it's blasphemous and that kind of thing. But Uh I'm open to that. I'm open to whatever people think. Well, you must be, because you're planning on selling this thing door-to-door. I can't help but to wonder if you're prepared for that, because Girl Scouts don't even go door-to-door selling cookies anymore. 
you probably need to be prepared to either have the door slam shut or spend a lot of time with each person. Yeah, I can say with honesty that I have tried it. I did it in Minneapolis and St. Paul for about an hour total and knocked on maybe 30 doors and only three people actually opened their door. It was a quick, no, I don't want it. Not interested. I'm talking with my friend who is a salesman and we're figuring out approaches, Mm -hmm. how to get a chance to even talk to them. This is a weird word to use, but you're hell bent on on selling it uh, door to door. Yeah, that's how I'm going to start. I'm not sure how the project will evolve. I'm going to make it into a podcast called Birth of a Salesman. Yeah, I'm having ideas for how it can morph. It's possible that it would kind of be stale after a few episodes of it just being door-to-door unless I can weave together more interesting elements, which I am working on currently. Enjoying a conversation with Sam Robertson. Uh, His book is The Illustrated Old Testament, and it's uh, something you may have never seen before and uh, probably won't forget. I read a lot of stuff and watched some videos. Uh, Weird is a word that stands out in a description of the paintings that I read. Is that fair? Are are they weird, these things? they're weird. Intentionally so? Yeah, I just kind of took the subject matter and things that I'm interested in and put it into this book. Mm-hmm. So I was drawing kind of weird stuff beforehand and it, this project didn't change it. So it probably even made it weirder how my paintings were matched with the, the words. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely I would go with weird. I mean, there's good weird and bad weird. These are good. Oh weird. yeah. Thank uh, you. You're going to go on a book tour and it includes some big towns, uh, including your hometown, Eau Claire. Uh, what kinds of locations are you going to be uh, making a presentation at? Well, there'll be three Wisconsin ones. This is Wisconsin Public Radio, so I should probably you should tell about those ones first. The Madison Show will be on June 5th, this Sunday, like in a few days, at uh, a place called Art Lit Lab, short for Art and Literature Laboratory. I'll be joined by four poets whose work reinterprets ancient religious figures and stories. Then Friday in Milwaukee, June 10th, 9 to 11.30 p.m., we'll be at Company Brewing. That's a brewery, and there'll be three bands at that one. And then the Eau Claire show is on Saturday, June 11th, and that's at the Volume 1 local store. And I'll be joined by two musicians there, Josh Ingersoll and Matt Vold. Those are the Wisconsin ones. You're in Minneapolis, you're in Chicago, you're in Hamtramck, yep. Michigan, which is near Detroit, Buchanan, Michigan, near South Bend, Indiana. Yep, seven mm-hmm. places in eight days. Another Wisconsin item, the Oxbow Hotel, bought a copy for each of its 30 hotel rooms. And I'll be dropping those off on June 11th on my tour. I just wanted to give a shout out to them because that's a brave and bold thing to acquire for their hotel rooms. Just like in the Gideon tradition. There's this wonderful video that I encourage people to watch in which you talk about the production of this volume, the illustrated Old Testament. And you, in one sentence, use uh, the term human nature, and then right after it, you use the term human appetite. That is a wonderful term, a human appetite. That could be the biggest reason for a lot of things we do, is we have an appetite. Yep, I would agree. Consumers through and through, in some sense, Tell me about your your hobby of clipping things. I was picturing you as a coupon guy after that. Oh, sure. (laughs) You you clip things for inspiration. You see things in magazines and newspapers and all over, and you clip them and you stick them into a binder, and uh, they are just photographs of things, and uh, it gives you what? Yeah, well, I like your idea to start clipping coupons, too, because... That would be a great way people have saved for generations. So well, you'll be good consider at it. that. Yeah, I got a lot of practice with the scissors. I noticed you um, were good with that. 
<laughs> Never been complimented on uh, my scissors work before, but thank you You're for welcome. that. Yeah, it's like a place I start often with, like, I don't know what to paint. Then I'll look through this. Oh. Pictures could be just a landscape or pictures of just people doing things that I find in tourism catalogs or just like a super wide variety of things like hunting, fishing, outdoors kind of stuff. I can kind of just like meditate on it while I've got an idea in my head, flipping through the pages, and then connections will start to form, and then I'll kind of dig into that and see where it leads. Uh-huh. The book is The Illustrated Old Testament. I wager you've never seen anything like it. 520 pages worth, and it's really interesting and creative stuff. I also encourage you to go to mrrobertson.com. That sounds kind of formal. I think that's just for fun. I, he doesn't care if you call him Mr. Robertson or not. I think Sam is pretty good, yeah? Oh, yeah, it's adequate. And then Mr. is spelled out for the website, so M-I-S-T-E-R, Robertson. Yeah, and you'll spend some time there, as I did. Sam, I I admire your courage. I think it took and takes courage to take this all the way. All the way includes plans you have. Good luck with the distribution phase. We're going to keep our eyes on your work. Thank you. Take it easy. You do. Thanks, Sam. The uh, publishing website is 1111-press.com slash Old Testament. That's another way to get the book if you can't attend one of his presentations or if you closed your front door (laughs) before realizing it was Sam. Pablo, Season 5, next on Spectrum West. Spectrum West on WPR. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being with us. Pablo Center at the Confluence. This river valley's big investment in itself. When we opened its doors in September of 2018, we did so in grand style. Season 1, good start. Season 2 included the years 2019 and 2020, and we all know what happened in the spring of 2020. The end of Pablo's second season, as well as seasons 3 and 4, sliced, diced, canceled, postponed, abbreviated, virtual, and wait and see. And here we are at the start of season five. Spring is a fitting season to be where we are. Many of the principals who manage Pablo's day-to-day are older and probably wiser than if the first four seasons had been just business as usual. I recently stopped by to chat with Executive Director Jason John Anderson for glances in a few directions. I love talking about the future, but I, I still would like to talk about the past. So much of it held unexpected quirks that it's it's now become part of who we are. You know, what we've done and had to do the last couple of years is the forge that has formed the kind of people that we are. It's an amazing phenomenon because you guys are so much stronger now for having done that. I think forge is actually the right analogy, Al, in a lot of in a lot of ways. You know, in, in opening the facility, as we we've talked about before, you and I, there there was a, a dash to get sort of the the doors open on time. I wonder could we do that? And, and the reality was there was no break after that moment. That was actually the start of of what really was the the marathon. What I would say is that pause for us as an organization, we've emerged as a regional and national leader for advocacy. All of the staff engaged, given their passion for this building, this project, how to best reopen and represent ourselves to the community. We had time that was days, weeks, months to really almost gain a maturity beyond our age uh, because we had time and space 
that wasn't afforded on the front end to actually engage in the facility with the community, with our national peers Mm -hmm. on how best to move forward and came out of of the two years of, of closure, I think much stronger and much more in tune with what the region and the community as a whole are looking for us to, to do. I'm glad you worded it the way you did. Pablo is probably more seasoned and tougher than it ever expected to be at age four or five. Absolutely. And, and there's a level of confidence that now exists across all of the staff because of the way they've engaged nationally, that the peer groups they've created, the founding of, of NEVA and our leadership in that gives us a, a connection. It's almost a trial by fire. We've been in the special forces of how to survive an international pandemic, and, and we've emerged as a unified group and team. We know each other's strengths, and we, we have peers to rely on across the country on how to do that. But but not out of arrogance, but rather Uh uh, uh a new sense of how to listen and engage that's most important for our facility. You expected to form relationships, but you didn't expect to form the relationships the way you did. And because you formed them the way you did, they're stronger. Much stronger. They've they've been through the the test of time, and more importantly, the, the smaller organizations that call Pablo Center home, our affiliate organizations, the Theater Guild, the Children's Theater, we felt a due pressure to ensure that they succeed, that the movie theater down the street is still here. All these incredible small venues across the state, they received funding, and that advocacy carries a weight with it, a responsibility, and, and more importantly, I think those venues now look back to us to continue to lead in that way. I had a conversation with Ann Katz of now Create Wisconsin, and I had George Sugros on not too long ago. It's almost as if there can never be another variable because they've met the big one. And you talked about NEVA, and the state was wonderful, and distributing all this uh, federal funding. I think the impressive thing for me was it just didn't take that long to do. No, and and most importantly, that, that for an area, you know, Wisconsin's ranked 49th out of 50th in yeah, arts spending, especially when we're bordered with Minnesota, who's first. Tying the creative economy, if I can use that word, to the economic impact, that 1 to 27 multiplier that we know that exists for every dollar spent in a venue that sells tickets, mm-hmm. returns 27 to the community, was something that, regardless of the side of the aisle that a legislator existed on, resonated and they understood the impact and it quickly yielded really positive outcomes but it it also reaffirmed to these organizations that were in communities for a long time and felt like they were always banging on the drum to be listened to and that they were important it put numbers to paper and honestly proved the impact and and the response from this state and from the national level said what you do is worthy what you do is important, and, and people feel emboldened and empowered by the responses of their community members, their patrons, their members, their guests, mm-hmm. and the artists uh, who call these places home. So that's looking way back. Do you remember the day you felt the ultimate relief you were looking for? I think we're out from under the COVID cloud. March 12th, 2022. The day here that we, as a county, moved to low uh, within the the COVID rating, we knew that we could suggest masks, but that we could remove the requirement for Mm -hmm. proof of vaccination or negative test to enter the facility, uh, masks becoming optional, but encouraged for public. That felt like a return to to live entertainment as people had expected it pre-pandemic. Fingers still crossed, though? As a society, we're we're in a place where COVID is going to be an endemic 
we will learn to live with it like we have the flu and other things and how that impacts large public gathering spaces that are indoors like ourselves. I don't know that we all entirely know. What I do know is we're going to continue to make the best choices with recommendations from outside. But I feel mm-hmm. Pablo Center's as back as we have been and looking forward to this fifth season far more strongly than, than we trepidatiously approached season four. Well, as a fan of this place, congratulations in making it through. Good for you. Thank you, and and thank you to your listeners who've helped us be here. Jason John Anderson, our guest, and we are sitting in the Pablo Center. We're in like a third-floor room, and I am visibly and visually distracted. If I do a few more ahs and ums than I normally do, it's because I'm watching people fish, and I'm looking at the confluence. Hey, you should call this place. Oh, no, you already did, didn't you? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I just noticed the rivers come together here. Countdown to season five is ongoing. I raise my voice every once in a while just to get that echo in this room. What room are we in? We are in the Market and Johnson Clearwater Recital Hall on the Ah. third floor Mm -hmm. overlooking Haymarket Plaza. The stage is set. Your seat awaits. From a four-show Broadway series to heavy-hitting musicals, there are so many exciting performances. You are counting things down in a, in a systematic way, in a teasing way. What are you doing? Much more in a, in a teasing way. I'm glad, glad you asked. Uh, as a staff, we chose five shows to, to really tease out from the middle of April leading up to, mm-hmm. to sort of the end of member on sales, the end of June, releasing one sort of every other week and really a way to, to engage both our current season four members, uh, reminding the membership renewals are new, but also getting the general community excited about the fact that, that there is a fifth season we we had this kind of thought that by always saving the season until middle of june when people are already into summer vacations there's a bit that uh oh maybe they missed it or they don't see it and and they're not as engaged as they want to be so Mm. as a staff we chose a a smattering of shows that we felt really reflected the wide variety Mm -hmm. Uh, and they by no means are actually the top tier shows they they are high value shows to us but they're they're still better ones to be announced in in july By the way, I love the word smattering. Thank you for using that. Another word that I love is unencumbered, and that's what season five feels like it's going to be. It it finally feels that way. I sort of sigh of relief here as both uh, Evan Middlesworth, who's our senior talent buyer, and and Sarah Becker, our junior talent buyer, coming into a place where this is the first season for both of them that we were not carrying shows from from clear back in 2018, 2019, uh, 2020 series, and, and that we're moving shows that just they've curated. They're able to actually paint a picture of what we believe the, the patrons want. We feel very confident about it. And through our national relationships, gained access to, to higher level talent as well. Okay, so the countdown to season five. Did I say that dramatically enough? You did. That pause was pretty good. For effect. So, Fiddler on the Roof has already been tossed out there and people are excited. They are. You have other Broadway musicals coming. We do. Musicals or just Broadway shows? Broadway musicals, absolutely. Okay. The, the largest, maybe most exciting being Book of Mormon. We'll be here for, for three performances. Chicago, what a classic, Ooh. right? Here for three performances. Uh, and then Anastasia a really powerful and great story to be sharing here. So another three performances there. So a total of 14 Broadway oh, wow. performances up from 
eight performances this year. I was just going to ask, you know, how many performances? Well, been? normally they're they're in the community for for one one performance, maybe two. We're trying something new by trying a three performance routine, which for us will will guarantee growing Broadway performances year over year. What else can we talk about as far as musical acts? A lot of people equate a performing arts center with musical acts. This is early June. Tease us some more with people that you're working on or that you may have already penciled in, and um, but you can't tell us yet. Yeah, I, I'm really excited to share that the season will start on September 11th this fall with Leanne Rhymes and her 25th anniversary tour of her album Blue. Uh, for us, this is this is one of our our largest bookings and, and really excited to having Leanne back uh, in Eau Claire. She, she, of course, starting her career very early on at Country Jam and coming now to, to our facility, I think, is very powerful. John Hyatt, Lyle Lovett, back on stage together. They were in our second season as individual shows, but they're sharing the stage together. That's going to be exceptionally powerful. We have already announced Lake Street Dive, who Brandy Carlisle has had opening for her across the country, and she's been a huge supporter of theirs. It's just going to make this season have a, a prominence and a and a name recognition that, that we've always hoped the facility would have, that we just haven't had access to that talent level as of, as of late, and the tours are back. What's the normal span of a season? So you're starting in September and what, through spring of... 23 when we when we talk about seasons if there is a normal right it it, for us it it runs akin to an academic calendar given our partnership with uw eau claire and Mm. and the very nature of midwestern communities that that does have a very summer holiday approach as a facility though we we need to be more aggressive in our summer months of giving air-conditioned indoor concerts what we struggle against being in the Eau Claire region, though, is we have these five amazing international outdoor music festivals, uh, and it's hard to get people to want to come inside to see talent. But you will see an effort from us as we look at summer of 23, the inaugural launch of our Wisconsin Shakespeare Festival next summer, getting that off the ground after taking a delay due to pandemic. And mm-hmm. um, I think you can expect more live music in the summertime from us as a facility as well. If one goes, and I suggest people go to pablocenter.org, because under the events tab, there is a thing called the load more button at the bottom. And it's interesting to, to hit that. You hit it, and it loads more. And then you hit it, and it loads more. So people are, and I was as well, going to be surprised how much literally goes on within the walls of this building. Kids being able to learn how to paint and play instruments and always active. Yeah, we, you know, we, we have such a broad patron base that expects so very much of, of this facility and really the origins tying back to the Eau Claire Regional Arts Center and what it means to be a private-public partnership as a performing arts center that isn't traditionally funded based here in, in downtown Eau Claire means that we do have K to grave educational programs transpiring in the arts and in STEM, right, launching our first mm-hmm. robotics team in New Auburn and here in Eau Claire, but also just the fact that we have 300 performances, 100 by the campus, 100 by the affiliate organizations, eight of them that call this building home, and then 100 of our own. And really the, the Pablo Present series, those 100 shows float the operational budget. And it's a heavy lift, but one that, that's important. So we are talking on June 2nd, and um, Season 5 Reveal, the entire thing, happens in just a little bit over a week for members, and uh, then 
the public gets it all. A couple days later. June 10th to members, June 13th to general public, showcasing all 100 of our performances plus UW-Eau Claire campus performances plus the, the affiliate organizations in the building. Let's talk for just a second in closing about uh, membership, because that is where someone can feel ownership. Membership, six different tiers, uh, ensures direct communication from, from us to the members throughout the year based on the tier levels, different levels of, of benefits. But that entire purchase is a donation to the facility and tax deductible. The membership is quite valuable and, and is really a, a culmination of a number of different facilities across the Midwest is how we stitch this together. The members do have the largest voice and the largest shaping direction on what we offer here in the facility. Congratulations on everything. You made it through. It's a sunny day. The clouds are gone, and uh, Season 5 is going to be wonderful. It's great to talk to you, and it's great to be in a good mood when we talk without any trepidation about what's going on. Thanks. Thank you, Al, and thank your listeners. Yeah, thank you guys out there. Got to get some memos in. This is the weekend of both the Fresh Art Spring Tour and the Art Opener Tour, Friday through Sunday. All details, maps, etc. are online at freshart.org and artopener.org. Uh, if you're listening on Thursday, the community's invited to celebrate the completion of the nearly 400-square-foot mural on the UW Stout Applied Arts Building. There's an unveiling ceremony from 1 to 2.30 p.m. today, Thursday, uh, June 2nd. The Red Barn Theater in Rice Lake is rehearsing the play Above Board, and their performances uh, are through June 11th, so have fun at that. St. Croix Festival Theater presents the 2022 Summer Arts Education Series, Arts in Action, a morning camp for young people ages 7 to 13. There are several locations and dates beginning in late June. Register online, festivaltheater.org slash art in action. Well, 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 we're going to be absent for a few weeks now, but we'll be talking with you along the way, so listen for... Updates and little chatter, and don't don't you dare forget us, because because we'll be back in a blaze of something. Uh, glory might be a stretch, so uh, enjoy the busting outs of June, and listen for our return a few weeks from now. Thanks. In the meantime, Rick and Kate for the plugs, and thank you all for hanging with us. You can catch archived past episodes at wpr.org, and there are podcasts out there that carry our noise as well. I'm Al Ross for everybody involved. Thanks. Have a good June.